Here's how I pick my numbers when I play the new Pick 5 from the Virginia Lottery. I let my dogs decide. Win up to $50,000. I give their treat jar a shake and see how many come running. Five numbers, zero through nine. First number is two. No, four. Is that six? No, nine? No, down, Ginger! How you choose is up to you. Play in-store, in-app, or online today. Visit valottery.com slash pick five. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to a Nerds of the Holy Grail review on Ghost of Tsushima. Or Tsushima. Um, so, most people know I work a 40-hour job as well as has a family of children and a wife and a dog and all that so it has been a slow process for me to review this game because i've only been able to play a few hours every night um so thank you for being patient for this <laughs> um just gonna start off by saying that off the bat but yes i have finished it um and the overall story is amazing it's probably one of the better games that story-wise that you'll ever play um it's definitely worth in to be in your collection right off the bat so yes this trailer um this review will be spoiler filled so if you don't want to hear any of the spoilers and stuff like that i would just warning you right now i'm going to go into it in detail about what uh, technical points i had um as well as what i liked what i didn't like and my overall review at the end so I will have an overall review at the end if you want to skip to that and not ruin anything. But if you want a more in-depth of what to do, I'm going to give you um, some pointers um, and some of the perks and things to start off with. If you're having difficulties, I will go into that as well. So with that, I'm going to begin. Story-wise, it starts off um, classic D-Day type style where you ride off as a glorious samurai fighting off a Mongol horde with no chance of survival, knowing this, doing it anyways, and somehow surviving. Um, and then you learn, um, that you can't fight these, um, invaders in any traditional, um, way that you've been taught. And story-wise, you meet Yuna, who teaches you how the weak fight the strong. And by learning and watching her, you, you learn that there is a better way to fight these, um, uh, invaders. And that leads you down a path which contradicts what everything you've been taught. So the story is very dynamic in that way since you have a big, um, your, your character, Jen Sakai, has a big, um, relationship with the lord of the island, which is his uncle, Shimra. Um, so his is about fighting your enemy head on, looking him in the eye and finishing him that way. Meanwhile, Jin is seeing that doing it that way would only lead to more death. So to save the lives of the people, he decides to do more dishonorable uh, means of combat which the game does towards the end make it make it more makes more sense in the beginning it doesn't make a lot of sense to attack them um in the ghost in the ghost mode or to sneak around and attack them because you're you're not really fighting um like the best of the best army right off the bat so later on though the army gets more and more challenging to the point where if you don't do ghost first you're probably gonna get overwhelmed rather quickly so it actually does make more sense to do it at first and then 
work your way into um, just fighting them hand to hand. So right off the bat, though, story. Um, there is a bunch of side stories in this in this game. Um, tales about the side characters and stuff like that that are all worth doing. And if you don't do them, you're going to miss out on a, quite a bit of the story um, overall. Yes, there is a main campaign storyline to follow, but the side characters' stories are what makes this game complete. If you skip them in any fashion, including the mythic tales, the mythic tales just add a whole another ambiance to the game. So they have a little bit more mythical aspect of each armor that you get, and they give you um, um, weapons and armor that are essentially needed for the game. So if you don't complete them, it's you're honestly uh, hurting yourself. So by doing um, all the character side missions and the mythic. Um, side missions you get a more rounded view of the world and how it's working and and more of what you're supposed to be doing and what you should do from now on so if the other side missions they're like little tales that are around that you help villagers and fishing uh, fishing villages and stuff like that they tell you stuff like you know there's a crossroads um being held by mongols and stuff like that those are little side missions that have um lore about the island and japanese mythology in them and if you, uh, there's even a one about Kappas, which are the monsters that drown children in rivers and stuff like that. There's a whole mission for that too. So if you like Japanese mythology and, and lore, do those side missions, but you don't have to do them right away. If you want to complete the game, you have to at least do the side missions with the characters and the mythic tales just to get through it. I definitely recommend them. Um, out of all the, uh, character stories I like the most, I'd say Ishikawa is the best one. Um, he, he is the bow samurai who teaches you the way of the bow and, and, uh, helps you along with, um, your, your overall, uh, understanding of how the way of the bow works and how to approach enemies from afar. So he teaches you bow combat in the beginning, which is essential, by the way, if you're having trouble with hand to hand. So I find that uh, with the dynamic between the bow and the or the sharp bow and the sword, you can pretty much take people out that are much bigger than you and and larger forces as well. If you learn how to um, use that arm, um, that uh, that bow as well as your sword quickly. Now there is an armor that helps you with that, which you get later on through Mythic Tales, which is the Tadayori armor. So it increases your notching speed, which basically means that as you draw back your bow, it draws faster. So the faster you draw, obviously, the quicker you can fire the arrow and do more damage. So big increase on that. Um, definitely worth using for that. And then concentration time, which is a slow-mo time, which you unlock through your uh, technique points. But this increases it by wearing just by wearing the armor. And then headshots, that armor on, gives you more concentration regain. So you regain your concentration and slow-mo faster by doing it. So this armor right here is definitely the great equalizer when it came to early on, early game, like very early game um, gameplay. I used it all the time in the first on the first part of the island. Um, definitely re recommend it. Um, that and the Ronin, just because of the increase in melee damage alone. Um, the Ronin reduces enemy detection overall and the uh, increase in melee damage but it also gives you one other perk of coming out of the grass which they teach you in the games um, in the grass they can't see you if you're crouched but as you come out of the grass if you're crouched and in ronin attire they don't pick up on you as fast it's much slower with this armor on um but yes getting getting back to um ishikawa his overall story is a story of of teaching of teaching you 
that you can't, that even if you know you're right, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I guess you could put it that way. And, uh, just the way he talks, um, and the way he, he, he handles situations, he's always, he always has an answer. Even though he knows he's gonna make a mistake, he still has an answer for it. So he's no, no BS, I'll put it that way. So I, I kinda liked how he approached his, um, how he approached his problems. He knew his next, he knew his next move most of the time. Um, even though, um, he, he knows he made a mistake or he, he made a mistake in the past, he still understands that he needs to keep going. So I do like, I do like that. I guess my next favorite will be, um, <clears throat> uh, Norio, who is the, uh, fighting monk, which you meet later on in the second act. Uh, if you can do his story, then it's a good one. Um, Yuna has a very good, um, uh, story arc too, but she's only, she's probably one of the shorter ones. She only has five, um, actual missions. And so is Kenji. Kenji's also the goofy, like, comic relief, to be honest, character wise. But he's also essential, so you need to, you need to complete his stuff, um, to, to get his, um, um, charms for, uh, for benefit. Um, he also gives you a, um, a hat at the end. <laughs> a straw hat, which is pretty cool. It's all blacked out. Um, but yes. His, his character, um, Yuna are the shortest ones. They're about three and four, um, episodes. Um, uh, Yuna is a dark one. I mean, to be honest, all these character arcs end pretty, pretty sadly. Honestly, it's more of a tragedy than it, than it is a redemption, you know, story. The only redemption stories is, I, I guess you could say Jin's, but even that, it depends on how you play. It really does. At the end, you get to make a choice, and it's always at, it's always at the end um, that you always get to make that choice, which I like. So, anyways, character wise, um, I would say Ishikawa was my favorite, then Norio, um, then uh, Masako, and then um, then I would say Yuna after that. But yeah, um, you get to get later on in the missions. You get to go back to your family um, um, estate and get your armor there, where you meet um, your Yuki or Yuriko. And she gives you the blowgun, um, which is, she only has a couple missions, but she's, she kind of gives you a background story on Jin and what he was like and, and his family. So that one actually gives you more detail on his past than most of the ones that you do before that. So if you want to know more about how, what happened to his dad and all that, that's the one to, um, to look forward to. And that's the one that actually pushes you over to the ghost the most out of all of them. Um, but towards the end, you notice the weather gets really bad <laughs> towards the top, and you go from southern uh, tropical climates to swamp to then colder and colder climate. At the very top of the of the map, you'll you'll end up in a, a snow, a more snow like environment, which changes a little bit of the of the gameplay, but not by much. Um, I had a lot of fun with the the overall story. I found it very intriguing. And there was parts where I didn't want to stop playing. I wanted to find out what happened next in these character stories, and they kept um kept me playing on and on. Um, same with the the main story. Um, every time you you did one of the main raids or did one of the main sword uh, side um um the one of the main requests for the main story, it just made me want to pick up and play again, play again. But I knew if if I didn't play all these side missions, I would miss out on everything. So I did that. Um, alright, so overall gameplay, I'd say the, the melee combat is where the game shines the most. Um, just being able to go in there and at first in the game, the game treats you like a rookie in the beginning. No matter what's playing, what, if you're playing hard difficulty or easy difficulty, you will play like, I hate to say this, but like shit. <laughs> right? That's cause, just because your character is inexperienced. You don't have any of the unlocks yet. And it shows your actual character's progression 
throughout the story, you'll see your combat improve just by unlocking the techniques and by progressing the story and by your own volition too. You'll actually know how to approach each enemy as well. The stances are very important, especially if you like, if you want to do the melee combat. If you want to do the melee combat all the time, the first tier, the first thing you should unlock on everything is the stances. Um, try to get as much as those, um, each one of those stances down because once you do that, the combat becomes much more viable for melee. Um, especially when taking on different uh, enemy very um, types, uh, you can switch on the fly in, um, <clears throat> your stances to fight different combat. Um, one of the perks of the of the wind stance, which is for fighting the polearm guys, is you have automatic counters. <laughs> right? So no longer, uh, like as long as you're attacking the guy with the polearm, you'll automatically counter him if he tries to swing at you. So once again, it's very viable to do the stances if you're going to do straight melee combat. If you want to stay more stealth, um, to be honest, the ghost the ghost equipment is definitely your way you want to go. But don't forget to do um, some of the samurai um, upgrades, the the deflections and um, <clears throat> and the evasion tactic, because you you will at one point end up in melee combat. <laughs> it's not good. if you go ghost, you will fight somebody hand to hand at one point or another, just because. Um, definitely recommend doing. Uh, if you're going to go ghost all the time, the armor that you should always have on is the Ronin um, until later later game when you get the ghost armor. But even then, I found that the ghost armor is more of a melee armor than it is actual stealth. If you don't want to be detected by anyone and and have the, the most uh, advantage, the honestly, the Ronin does. It reduces enemy detection, increases melee damage, and then grass you know is slower to detect when you're coming out of it which you spend most of your time in most bases going in and out of grass on rooftops and everything like that the ghost armor reduces enemy detect overall um and the ghost stance kill reduction so later on in the game you get a stance called the ghost stance which gives you automatic kill once you enter it it'll kill an enemy with one strike uh, you only get three strikes but you can kill three enemies instantly with it and it induces terror amongst all the rest of them as you do it also ghost armor while you kill people in ghost armor it does give them um terror added factor um to the surrounding enemies so if you're gonna go stealth it honestly sounds like ghost armor <laughs> like i mean if you look at it as a whole ghost armor is not really that stealthy it's more or less supposed to be uh you're supposed to walk you're supposed to jump in on them and scare them to death and then make them all run if you're really going to do stealth where you clear a whole base with no one knowing, I recommend like Ronin or the uh, uh, Tatadori armor. Because if you're able to quickly shoot everyone with concentration, you can get three or four dudes down with, with arrows if you have your concentration all the way up. Especially if you max it. It's really quick. And then most of them don't wear um, helmets in the first part of the game. So that that armor is a... Uh, mythic armor and if you can do that quest quest do it as quickly as possible because it is really it really does help with the archery part the ronin armor is good um for if you're just going to sneak around and, and knife people uh honestly it's it's the way to go and it looks cool it looks cool as hell <laughs> honestly it's probably the, one of the cooler like traditional kung fu movie looking armors um uh next next part of the game in act two you get a chance to get a armor called um uh, Gusaku's armor, which actually became my favorite armor overall, especially since I, I like to go in and do standoff and, and melee combat. So, um, Gusaku's armor is definitely one of those ones you want to get done in early game because it'll help you immensely with your combat, especially if you're, if you weren't sure about melee combat, now you want to do it. If you get a chance to do this armor, definitely helps out when you get surrounded. 
And when you um, and you want to you want to just go into the pit and fight people. <laughs> to be honest, if you want to get as many enemies around you as once and and fight people, the Gusaku armor is awesome. It gives you a massive or it gives you increase of health. It gives you stagger damage, which is um, whenever you break somebody's guard. Which if you have the stances, which if that's the way you went. If you have all the stances down, breaking somebody's um, staggering people is not hard. So therefore, you can you can beat everyone down quite quickly with this armor if you have your stances down. And then you get health regen on top of that from killing somebody while being on while they're staggered. So this armor overall, if you want a long, if you're if you're going if you're in this for a long haul fight, like where you're fighting for like 20 minutes trying to keep everyone down. Yes, this armor is is meant for endurance. It really is. So if you feel like you keep getting into these huge battles um, that are long and lengthy, especially the fort battles, I recommend this on, immensely on the fort battles that you do later on. If you're gonna go loud and proud, <laughs> I'm just saying you, the the Gusaku armor is definitely the one you want to choose. Um, in the late game too, you also get the Sakai clan armor, which gives you a uh, increased in melee and health. And then it gives you a standoff bonus. So this one is one I switched to at the end game because of the standoff bonus. The standoff bonus gives you an increase to whatever your standoff max is to plus one. So if your standoff is two, you have now I have three people you can take out at once. And for people that are having trouble with standoff, um, I did learn something just because I, I remember in sports, you never watch people's uh, uh arms and legs and head or don't you say you never watch their arms and their face like what they do with their arms and face they'll they'll try to juke you and stuff like that but if you watch the person's foot as you their back foot as you um get hold your uh, button down for the standoff as soon as they move that back foot you know you can strike <laughs> because most of the time people they don't go into that they don't um they don't attack you until the one of the feet move so once their feet move you're good and I learned once I started watching their feet over their arms, I my standouts were perfect all the way through. So that that's just a little advice. Don't don't watch their arms <laughs> or their face. Um, but yeah, the Sakai Clan armor is definitely good if you want to charge in um, for late game because it gives you the melee damage and the health bonus. And then if you do the standoff, you can induce terror on top of everything. So it actually gives you increased terror to the people as you attack them. So if you have that. You have the two techniques you earn too, by the way. There's two uh, sword techniques that you should get um, early game if you like melee as well. This is the Heavenly Strike, which is a quick strike through the opponent um, on the other side. It induces terror as well amongst the um, people. And then there is the uh, Dance of Wrath, which you get also um, um, later on as a, a mythic quest. So the Dance of Wrath allows you to attack three times, um, through possibly three different people, or you can it can attack one person three times with it. It's, it depends on which way you point your joystick. You can attack three different people doing a little bit of damage to each one, and that will induce terror amongst the people that did not get hit, or and the ones that you did hit and didn't kill. They, most of the time, I find after you do that heavenly strike with the standoff bonus that you get from socket Cliner, pretty much everyone else will leave. <laughs> no matter what armor class they are, they will literally leave the camp. I had a camp where I, I literally cleared them with just one standoff. <laughs> Cause I was able to finish off four of them with standoff and the rest just threw down their weapons and left. So yes, it is possible to get that armor out to the point where you, you walk into a camp and says leave. <laughs> literally felt like I just said leave and they left. <laughs> But yes, gameplay-wise, it plays like a dream when you're doing that kind of combat. The stealth has some clunkiness to it, um, but not 
it's not bad. It's honestly really good. It's better than Last of Us, I'll tell you that. The stealth in this game is much more thought out. Yes, there are some technical issues with the getting up and down. Um, how you put this? Like, for me, getting over objects that were low bearing and like, like tables and, 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 uh, like sacks of hay and then getting down off of them, like jumping on them to get up high onto the roof and then trying to get down off of them. Trying to jump off a roof to me was a technical, uh, masterpiece because when you approach an edge, your character automatically just not, it hits it like a boundary, like a wall. It won't let you jump off. Even if you push forward, push forward, push forward, I could not, could not get off the wall. I could not get my character to just jump straight down. I had to literally make my character jump straight down. And normally what happened when you did that is he would jump four feet off the off the roof edge into enemy sight. <laughs> and they would see you automatically. So I had a lot of problems with that. I, I had a problems with, with the exploration with that. When I'm traveling up and down mountain cliffs, uh, when you had to climb the shrines, just trying to jump down to other platforms was honestly... It, it bothered me a lot. It, I don't know why I did, but I was, I was one of those, one of the things I had a problem with all the time was just getting down off of edges. Um, I feel like that's just either the way they designed it to help people not fall off of things, but to be honest, I'd rather have the, the, uh, the incentive to just pay attention to where I'm walking than have a invisible wall stop me every time. So that was, that was one thing that, that threw me off on the, on the gameplay. Uh, another one was the crawling under under uh, houses and um, crawl spaces. The mechanic underneath, when you get to the open space to go through, um, to get out of the crawl space, if you weren't going through a door or something like that, if there was just an open area to, to crawl out from underneath the house, I could not get my character to go through the space most of the time. I would have to jam my stick forward several times, reposition myself, jam my stick forward three, four more times before I could get out. So honestly, at one point, I, I, I just stopped. I, I think I crawled under like three houses and then I was never, never did it again. You know, that was the beginning of the game. Honestly, never used that ability on like all the, they have all these areas to crawl under and I never used them because it was honestly, uh, it was more of a hassle than it was worth. <laughs> so honestly, I think they can remove that from the game and it wouldn't change a thing, you know. The, all these crawling around things was just it, it was it was crazy to me how much they they spent putting in all these crawl spaces and then none of them work properly. So um, I did have a one or two glitches also. Um, I uh, slaughtered a enemy general off of a cliff when I jumped down and I went through the map, landed in the water, came back up on top of the map, and then the guy that I cut off his head he got up and started challenging me. <laughs> So I fought a headless soldier, which I will post on our Instagram eventually. I will send a picture showing my headless um, uh, guy fighting me. <laughs> so it was fun. It actually inspired me to to, to say that there, if they could put a uh, like a Red Dead Redemption zombie mode in this in this game, it would be phenomenal. Honestly, just because of this one incident here, here where I saw I fought a headless soldier just made me think how cool it would be to fight an endless horde of zombies with the samurai. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that would be a great idea for a DLC. I hate to say that, but it would be a great idea for DLC. Um, what was another technical problem I had? Um, the horse, every once in a while, would jump over tiny rocks uh, crazily. Um, but that's actually how no horses normally react. <laughs> to be honest, I've been around a couple of horses that react that way, but... The, I actually like the horse. Like I, I've in previous podcasts, I've complained about how horse animation looks just like they've never seen a horse before. But this one, actually, the horse, the way the horse moved and and interacted with you was phenomenal. In fact, the first horse I got in the game, 
I got the black one, named it Kage Shadow in Japanese. And that horse knew more about stealth than I did. <laughs> to be honest, in the beginning of the game, I called this horse from a distance. And you could see it just stared at me, wouldn't move. So I turned around to see if there was any bad guys around. I come back around, the horse was in front of me. And it scared the hell out of me. Because I was not expecting this this horse to be like in my face the next second. Because it was way off in the distance. I left it way out there. And then this horse snuck up on me and was quiet the whole time. I was like, I need to bring this horse into combat. <laughs> I felt like this horse could follow me and sneak through a base better than I could. Because <laughs> it was just that quick. But I did like how they how they made the horse automatically get close to you when you looked away. So that was a nice little tech point for them on that. Uh, I did have... I did have a couple combat things that were a plus too as well. The responsiveness and the controls. Um, like I would be halfway through a swing and then I see another uh, enemy attack me and I was able to block the, the controller and the, the AI. Um, your your character's response was quite well, um, quite good. He would be able to block an attack even if you were halfway through a swing on the other. Just if you just because you haven't finished the complete swing, he was able to immediately switch and block and parry. So I thought that was uh, a neat way to keep mobile and fast. Because this game is really about flow. Once you lose that flow in combat, you need to restart. And the only way to restart is either disappear or um, use a big overall move to push everyone back. You know, like some kind of bomb or something like that. And the, the game does give you those options. But as you're fighting in combat, I find that if you're not if you're not able to bounce between enemies quickly and, and change your stances quickly, you'll lose the flow of combat and easily be dropped. It's pretty much in the, with that in every mode of hard, medium, and difficult. I played, I played the hard difficulty, the medium difficulty, and the easy difficulty to see what the differences are. And to be honest... Um, it really comes down to of how well you control the flow on the on the melee, and then if you do ghost, it really doesn't matter <laughs> if you, if you're if it's hard or not because you'll drop everyone. Um, if you especially if you use the tech, because like an instant stab is an instant stab, it drops anyone. Same with the arrow headshots. It doesn't matter um, how powerful this enemy is. If you get a headshot on them with an arrow, they're down. Yes, they do put heavy armor on later, but if you have the longbow, it'll go right through. And then same thing if you get them in the face mask. Like they, most of them don't wear face masks. They have an open face. So if you're facing them or if you can see their nose and their eyes, you can drop them um, from a distance that way. And then especially if you upgrade your bow, um, short bow immensely, you'll go right through. Uh, um, I hate I hate to say this, but they get color coded later on, <laughs> kind of like simplistically. So you can tell which kind of armor they have by the color that is. So the blue armor you can easily drop like just by chest shots with short bow after you upgrade it to like third tier. Same with the yellow. Um, but then after that, it gets a little more, uh, they bounce. Like you see the, the glint in the distance where it bounced off their head and like, Oh God, I just woke everybody. So I found that one kind of annoying once you figure that out that your short bow can't be used for everything. You see, sometimes you have to use the long bow, but, um, overall the, the gameplay was, was positive. Um, I had, a, like I said, the few minor difficulty things that, that threw me off, that, that was it, truthfully. Is the game fun? Yes. Like, if you want to feel like an overpowered action hero by the time you're done with this game, because you will, especially if you play this game a decent amount of hours and just keep going, grinding at it, you eventually become able to walk into any place, any building, any of these forts, and just be like, let's do this. And then the um, you'll be able to walk through three or four of these guys and then watch the rest of them run in terror and feel like I am 
I am the God of this place <laughs> or, or uh, I am now the Lord of this castle. <laughs> right. And then to me, there was no better sense of like, I did that. I accomplished that um, because of what I've learned in the game and how I was able to adapt his skill. And there's other technical things that you can do. Like you can kick people in the air, go into concentration mode and then juggle them in the air with arrows. You can also kick somebody in the air, go into um, your weapon melee switch and throw a, a sticky bomb on them in the air and blow them up. <laughs> so I thought those, those little things that they didn't, they weren't actually skills, but if you use them correctly, they were skills. You can easily make your own play style in this game. So in game wise, a little, little fun note. I had a huge major storm outside my house as I'm finishing this game while the game had thunder and lightning going around and, and I'm fighting the final boss. It was thunder and lightning outside my house. So you want to talk about immersion in this game. I was totally dedicated to this last, this last battle in this game. Um, because of the, the, I felt like I was in the storm myself because the storm going outside was just whipping through my house, <laughs> around my house. So, but yes, I did like the, um, the villain. The villain, by the way, did make this game quite, quite good. Um, he was, he was smart. He wasn't just a brute. He was a brute and he's tactical. He, he learned to use your, um, your friends against you. He used your own weapons against you towards end game. Um, and he was a challenge all throughout. So I never felt like I was, um, becoming overpowered against my, the, um, the overall villain. Um, to be honest, <laughs> it was even at the end game, it was pretty challenging to, to beat him. Um, I did die a lot in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. I, I was, I was honestly slaughtered quite a bit. Um, the duels in around the map that you can play, um, there's these special duels that you can play to get the Kensei armor, which I did not mention earlier because honestly, the Kensei armor is not a great armor. I also do not like the Samurai Clan armor. It reduces damage, but to be honest, it's not... There's better... If you're taking that much damage and you need to wear that armor, you're doing something wrong. You need to reevaluate how you play. <laughs> you should not be taking that much damage that you need to wear that armor. The Kensei armor gives you ghost weapon damage increase as well as resolve... Um, increase the resolve gain. And then it gives you ghost weapon reduce... It reduces the enemy damage as well as what they get from you. If you hit them with a ghost weapon, they reduce their it reduces their damage they do to you and increases the damage that you do to them. So yes, that sounds very cool and it does it does work in higher tier form, but don't waste your time. Honestly, if you're doing if you're doing stealth right, <laughs> if you're gonna do stealth and you're gonna use ghost weapons, if you're doing it right, None of this is going to matter because you'll be able to wipe them out quite quickly with whatever uh, weapons you have. The the useless armor of the, of all of these is definitely the um, the uh, traveler's attire. So the traveler's attire is going to be good in the end game after you beat the game, and you have to go find all the little collection stuff, which is why I'm I regret upgrading this armor in the beginning because I wasted resources <laughs> upgrading this armor when I could have just waited for end game and then upgraded it then. I could have used it towards my other two my other two favorites. So, um, there's plenty of these, uh, different style and collections, uh, points all over the map that give you different masks and headgear and headbands, the haikus. You can write all these haikus, which you, by the way, you write yourself. You get three options for three different lines in every haiku you do. And you write basically your own haiku 
and uh, they give you lines. Obviously, you're not writing it completely yourself, but there's a they give you a title of what the haiku is about, and then they give you three lines for each line to pick from. And at the end of the thing, you get a headband that says the headband of resolve or insecurity or of death or whatever. And on the headband says your haiku on it that you wrote. So it was a nice little personal touch. I thought that was actually quite quite good because there's a little bit of change of pace in the game so you go from fighting all the time to grinding to doing all this to just sitting down and writing about resolve <laughs> and i see why haikus back then were now viable because it, it takes you back to you know a little bit of more peace of mind and then you go back in the battle and you fight now and you wear the, the new headband that you just put on that you know says death to all that fight me or I'm insecure because <laughs> there's one that says insecure, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the the overall artistic view of this game covered up for the graphical points on this game. Like I, another graphic problem I had was the um, character animations were not not that great. They were very old gen, definitely old gen. Um, honestly, like Assassin's Creed gen, um, animation wise, but didn't really ruin the story. Um, it wasn't top of the uh, top of the line graphics and motion capturing, um, and the overall technical points of all the environments. If you were to get close enough to the environments, they were very pixelated once you get up close. But the whole game was designed to be viewed from an, a like a a certain like panoramic view, and in that view, that third person view of your character standing amongst this background, the game looks absolutely amazing every time and they pulled off a technical honestly marvel <laughs> by doing this because the game loads quickly there the travel points between like the the fast travel points that you go to take almost no time to load at all because they obviously reduced the graphics that need to be loaded by just using brush strokes honestly the whole game looks like a giant painting that you're fighting in and yes if you get up closer it doesn't look like a painting um it looks more like realistic but if you step back in these huge moments that you have in battles and sunsets and the lighting, the lighting is what really also adds the ambiance of where you are. And then the environment changes as you play, you know, like you play ghost, it goes stormy and, and, and rains, <laughs> you know, and it could be middle of the day. It'll go stormy and rain. As soon as you start doing ghosts, you know, it, it, to me, it was on their team. It was, it was probably one of the coolest features I've ever seen in a game. It really was. And overall, I, I would say this game is definitely worth a a remaster like 10 years from now or, 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 or even 6 from here. I would love to play it again in a remastered form. And I can't wait to play it on PS5, to be honest. I want to see what um, how, how it looks on that versus uh, PS4. And I honestly, of all the ratings I've seen around, yeah, there's there's people that give ratings for all kinds of stuff. Would I play this game? Um, would I recommend this game for sixty dollars? Yes. Um, is it worth the price that I paid? Yeah. It, and it still has more content to give to me. Um, so, uh, it's one of the first games I've played in a while that that does make me feel like I didn't waste my time, and it's nice that way. And then you can take your time with it, or you can run through it. It's it's quite nice uh, to do either way. So, uh, I would say the game is, is it easily a nine, um, overall? Um, just the tech, the tech points that I mentioned earlier about the, the, uh, glitches, the technical glitches. There's nothing that's game breaking. It's only happened because I had trouble with edges. <laughs> that was, that was the one thing. Every time I had one of these technical glitches, it was because I had trouble with an edge. Um, I will mention one thing. My game, 
Um, did not have a promising start when I first started this game. I crashed the game within 20, uh, or no, within the first 10 minutes, the first mission of the game of escaping the, the town I was in, the game crashed and I had to restart. But I never had that problem again. Never crashed one more time. I only had one crash in the whole game. So, yeah, it, it, it has some spin polish it needs to work on, but I still say the overall enjoyment and fun factor of this game makes it a nine overall. So. With that, that is our review on Ghost of Tsushima. Um, pick it up, play it, enjoy, and uh, we'll see you next time. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.